Welcome to episode 24 of the VD Clinic podcast. I am Darren. You will hear from Vanessa in one second. <laughs> one second? I think that's about how long it took for you to giggle. How are you okay. doing, Vanessa? Sure. I am tired, but uh, other than that, I'm okay. How about yourself? I'm good. I, it is the end of my day. I have a cold can of sangria <laughs> <laughs> nothing quite like a can of wine yeah. <laughs> or any or any any kind of fruity cocktail-y drink <laughs> yeah you know uh, I, I didn't have it in me for a limerita or whatever the fuck those are called but apparently uh, two cans no. are the equivalent to a bottle okay okay Brought to you unofficially by Original House Wine of Walla Walla, Washington. Oh, there you go. There you go. I am um, here with water and uh, black cherry club soda. Oh, nice. See, that was a much smoother transition. And speaking of smooth, we are here to talk about 1985's Smooth Talk, starring... What, Laura Dern and Treat Williams? I believe this Mary is... Kay Place is kind of famous. Yes, Mary Kay Place. And this is two months in a row we've uh, done some sort of vehicle with a, one of the Dern clan. That's right. Bruce Dern last month. Laura Dern this month. We'll see how we can tie it in next month to Sleepwalkers. but it... uh, Well, well we, next we need to find a Diane Ladd movie. Mm. <laughs> and then we don't be okay. <laughs> Perfect. Excluding sleepwalkers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go ahead. I interrupted. Which uh, Smooth Talk from 1985 is loosely based off the 1966 short story by Joyce Carol Oates titled Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? Which was inspired... Partially by the Tucson murders committed by Charles Schmied. Yep. 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 So they say. So they say. So they say. Although I read up a little bit on the murders and other than a man killing a young person, I didn't really get a whole lot of tie in. But, you know. I did not read up on it. Oh, Okay. I, I, I saved a short passage on it. If we are mm-hmm. in need for time, I can read that. Or if we are curious, since we are a true crime family over here. Well, and I know, you know, it's she dedicated a story to Bob Dylan after saying she was inspired by his song, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember that song because my dad was like a massive Bob Dylan fan. 
if I'd been a boy, I would have been named Dylan after Bob Dylan. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> I yeah. was born the same year that Blood on the Tracks came out. Like, I just... <laughs> Did he like the Traveling Wilburys, too? Not as much, but yeah. Yeah. My, my dad listened to a lot of Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. but he definitely had some... some uh, traveling Wilbury is blasting out of his stained glass workshop. My dad even listened to, uh, had the cassette of what was the album with got to serve somebody where he went through his kind of like religious kind of thing in the eighties. Oh, right. <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it amused my father greatly <laughs> as much as he enjoyed it. Anyway, we have derailed this conversation. Smooth talk. Joyce Carol. My point was, yeah, I don't remember the song well enough to know. It's all over Baby Blue. Yeah, I don't know, but I would imagine we will be hearing it at some point in this show, perhaps, at the end. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Mm -hmm. I try not to guess what music you're going to pick because you're a lot less predictable I am in that department. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. I'm I'm gonna guess that perhaps that'll be the song at the end. But you know, maybe we'll find out. Maybe. Um, so I can't. We don't always say who picked what and when for this show. But this was. Uh, if you're unhappy or if you're happy about this pick, this is my fault. I. Uh, <laughs> I was introduced to this book and a movie at the same, well, in the same class in college. Um, I can't tell you if it was a women's studies class or one of my other literature classes as a journalism major turned into English major. I took like all of the classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I wrote a paper. Mm. Uh, should we okay should we do like a well, little, how are we doing this <laughs> i was gonna say let's go ahead and do a little break and then we'll get into uh the short story i think first okay how about that cool okay all right we, we will be back momentarily this will keep you quiet oh hi there i didn't see you you caught me cutting a new show I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing... All the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars... You can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. And we are back with our 
I don't know what you would call uh, guys. The, guys are the, horrible. Uh, <laughs> the big bad wolf a... with a fucking awesome car. It's a Joyce Carol Oates theme episode. We don't have anything worse, like anything other than that, I guess. Yeah. That's all I can think of. There we go. Yep. Anyway, go ahead. We're starting off the spring with the story of the destruction of youth. Uh, with Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been? Written by Joyce Carol Oates, as we said. First appeared in the fall 1966 edition of Epoch. Is that how you say the word? Magazine? E-P-O-C-H. Epoch? Epoch. Uh... Wikipedia claims that it <laughs> is inspired by three Tucson, Arizona murders co- committed by a man called Char- Charles Schmid or Schmid. I would imagine it's Schmid, but well, who am I to? I've seen some strangely spelled last names, but it was uh, it profiled in Life magazine. Also, uh, Oates said she dedicated the story, if we didn't already say this, I forgot when we were on or off mic, but uh, as we might have said in the introduction, dedicated to Bob Dylan because she was inspired to write it after listening to his song, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. And during the break, we got our act together and we looked up the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Through the That's magical right. wonders of science. In the interwebs. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to sing it? Oh, well, I'll let you start. <laughs> All right. It's been a while since I've heard this song. I know I've heard it. So I'm, it's going to be a generic Bob Dylan beat. I'm pace. sure it's somewhere in my actual collection of Bob Dylan that I do have. Not as large as my father's, but <laughs> <laughs> I still have some things. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, so imagine, if you will, a sort of chugga-chugging acoustic guitar and perhaps a couple lilting notes from a neck-mounted harmonica. You don't have to do the entire song, okay? All right. Do you want me to do the beginning, or where 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 should I start? It's up to it's it's up to you. I'm just letting you know you can I, do the entire song or not. I would say I'm just gonna do the end. Okay. Which because that's we that's what we kind of decided during the break seemed to be much more of a core inspiration. Yeah, yeah. In in way, I mean, the, there are certainly yes, other parts of this that carry through. But yes, agreed. This last um, verse. Yeah. So I, I can I could see her stubbing out her joint. <laughs> of course. And jumping over onto the typewriter <laughs> as this song ends. To type to I yeah anyway. Excuse me. Okay. <clears throat> forget the dead, or forget the dead you've left. They will not follow you. The vagabond who's rapping at your door is standing in the clothes you once wore. Strike 
I've already it's already gone to shit. Strike into the match. Go start. Strike into the match. Yeah. Go start a new. <laughs> it's all over it's now. As baby, baby blue. blue. <laughs> I think it goes. Strike another match. Go start a new. And it's all over now, baby blue. There we go. Okay. I think it's closer to that. <laughs> You've just made a horrible mistake by showing that you're better at singing than I am. Listeners, no, if you want Vanessa to Bob take Dylan. over. What? I'm better at singing Bob Dylan. <laughs> Send that in your Bob Dylan requests. Um, I Now, I can sing the, sing the hell out of some uh, Duran Duran as well, but... Uh, yeah, it's the, it, you know, I have to go into, like, character voices almost. <laughs> That's my way to sing. Although I I did work in musical theater on stage and That's got right. paid for it. <laughs> so I could sing once, but just not now. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So... <laughs> I don't know how much of the, that you heard, but it was all gold. <laughs> So, this was your first time reading this, huh? Yes. And I think it was actually my first time reading any Joyce Carol Oates. Oh. I don't remember her being in I, I I don't remember her being in any of my my classes they went through. And honestly, I remember separately from English classes over the years that um, I was always, I was never anxious to read her because it seems to me that people who are fans of hers are like super fans and in a certain obnoxious way. Really? At least the ones I have met and it's really turned me off that I'm like, I have a block to some extent. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm not, I'm not saying that. So I walked into this and it's not that I was saying, Oh, I'm completely closed off to it. It's not how I've ever been, but it's, it's just never been, she's never been an author that I felt I needed to rush out and read. Mm hmm. Because, because I don't know, it just, and maybe some of it was the kinds of particularly females that I know <laughs> that are fans of hers. Okay. And they're the kind of people that I never, ever, ever have anything in common with you know as far as reading wise you know okay. it, yeah. that kind of thing so it's it, it, i've never felt like again i've had to run out and read her but i haven't been completely closed like i would never ever read her i don't i don't do that unless i know if there's something problematic about the author or something like that um, 
do, do you know what I mean? Or it's something very problematic about the story that someone thinks would bother me. You know, that kind of thing where my, I would seem maybe completely turned off by it. Uh-huh. But I'm usually still open to some extent. And this also was kind of like, a ni- I guess, a nice way to dip my toe in the water. Because it was, a- you sent me a nine page PDF. <laughs> I did. It felt so much longer in college. <laughs> I was, this is probably like, I, I, um, this is just sort of like, a. these are all books that I've been assigned in college in the same semester, but I don't know if it was the semester that I was assigned this, Right. but I was probably reading my friend Dahmer, uh, like Ulysses. Money, a suicide note, something like the Golden note- Notebook. I feel like there was this giant fucking thousand-page book written by a really famous woman, and like that, and fifteen Shakespeare plays. <laughs> so this this felt like it was way longer in uh, in college, but. I was, I was, I I kind of chuckled when I was getting ready to send it to you. I figured you were going to ask me if that was all, all of it. Um, (laughs) no, I was like, oh, that's it. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) This is the only thing by her I've ever read. No, I, no, I was, I I was totally prepared to read more, but you didn't, (laughs) when you say short story, I don't think nine pages, but yes. And I mean, she does say a lot in those that span, uh, you know. It of, definitely uh, stuck with me. Right, right. Um, there is a certain the okay. The words I will use to describe there are a couple words I I would use to describe her that I've used before on this show. Joyce Carol Oates or our main character, Connie? Joyce Carol Oates. That she uses word economy. I said the same exact thing when when we read Stepford Wives on the show in episode four. Because Ear 11, it's, it's a short book, but how much is said in that length of a book it is just amazing and it's so full and rich and this is the same way and for short sto- for short stories you can do that but for a short story that is this short <laughs> you know what i mean like it's still short for a short story yeah and you're usually talking a short story is closer to 20 to 30 pages you know, maybe longer. Yeah, I was I was thinking it was about you're, 15 pages long. Right. You're thinking, oh, it needs to be like 20 plus pages. <laughs> Not, yeah. It, so, and she paints a certain amount. She paints a certain image. Very distinct image of this town where these characters live and then she paints a 
a distinct picture of these characters. Yeah. She doesn't necessarily spell every single detail out. I mean, when you look at it, like analyze it, she doesn't, you know, spell everything out. So there is a lot left to the imagination, but it, there are places where you can fill in the blanks and it all works and you know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah. You know, and which is what would make it a great, it makes it great source material to then turn into a movie. But I will get to my thoughts on the movie later. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the first hour of it. I have or, some or different okay. I have some different thoughts that I'm not going to spoil and it has been very difficult for me not to text you be- and tell you before this recording. Oh man, the gloves are off, ladies and gentlemen. David knows. <laughs> I had to tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> Was it worse than uh, the thing he picked? No. Okay. <laughs> You, <laughs> David still has the championship. <laughs> I th- I thought something was up with the way you've been talking about it. Like it, it, there's definitely a change in our. We haven't really talked about anything about these source materials, but in our conversations about recording the show, there was this noticeable change i think mm-hmm. after the point where you would have started checking it out like there was right. when we picked it and then okay okay and then it was around when you might have started checking it all out i mm-hmm. noticed a slight difference but <clears throat> as well, my wife will tell you, you i never admit I will... that i did anything wrong so <laughs> Anyway, it's a discussion for later. It's a separate discussion. It is. We are still talking about the short, short story. We're talking about the short story, the Joyce Carol Oates short story. But I'm saying I enjoyed the short story. Okay. But I I honestly, I didn't walk into it excited about it. I wasn't. I I, truthfully, but it ends overall. It didn't thrill me still, and maybe there is a block I do have that I need to get over, but because there were certain things, I guess, with her writing style that, um, that are not my favorite. Okay. You know, certain times where I'm like, no, you need a comma there. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) Um, no, in certain, in certain ways of of phrasing some things. And it's just a a preference of writing style, but maybe, you know, if I read another thing of hers, it'd be different. Yeah. So I'd be open to that. What do you, how do you feel? I've, I, Huh? So go ahead. Go ahead. That's where we're starting. Okay. How do you... F- now, we can, now we can talk about the story. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the way she depicts Connie? I, I feel like... 
I feel like she kind of doesn't like her. Is that oh, just yeah. me? No, it, it, it feels judgmental. Okay. It feels judgmental. And it's off-putting. It's like, man, it's like, I, I definitely would and I be a little put it, off by this kind, if I knew yeah. this girl in real life, I'd kind of be a little over her. But, right. go ahead, please. No, I, I, no, I agree. But... This it, feels kind of like, I don't know if she was doing it on purpose mm-hmm. and or not, but it, I kind of feel like they're... There's like these weird sex hangups, like, oh yeah, like some misog- fi- misogyny. Is it misogyny if it comes from a woman or a narrator? We don't know if. I mean, this isn't Joyce Carol Oates. It's whoever's telling the story or whatever. But I feel oh, no, like there's is, some it, slut shaming <laughs> going oh, on there in is this a little bit. Absolutely, there is absolutely slut shaming from the point of the view point of view of our storyteller it's 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 you know yeah it's whether that's joyce carol oates herself or some nameless you know narrator yeah yeah i don't want to say it's bob dylan but maybe it's that killer guy maybe it's you know imagining what arnold friend who we'll talk about later maybe how he would describe what happened yeah i don't know but um so hopefully you have read the material but if you're listening now you don't care either way so we will be (laughs) talking about everything that happens in these things (laughs) so yeah spoiler alert Spoiler alert. The only time we don't spoil things, or the only time we care about spoiling things, is if it's new material. Yeah. This thing is... This is... Almost as old as I am. Well, the story is older than I am. Well, yeah, the story... (laughs) Well, both of us. (laughs) ...is older than both of us, possibly put together. Um, No. (laughs) No? I'm just shitty at math. You're shitty at math. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> or you're thinking that each of us is much younger than we are. <laughs> I think it's our immature lifestyle. Oh, you have a much more real... You're more of a real adult than I am. <laughs> so... But I, I do sometimes have to ask Amanda how old I am. Oh, I wonder how old I am all the time. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> uh so whoa, whoa, whoa. okay so connie we were talking about connie and right. uh the narrator doesn't seem to like her too much she is a reckless girl what was she wearing um it's the 50s or the 60s i don't think it really says in the story but it came out in 66 so right uh and Connie, if she wrote it in, she might have written it in 65. Yeah. <clears throat> and the the killings happened also in the 60s. 66. And the Bob Dylan song came out in 65. So it's the so. perfect storm. Right. And, and Connie is a high school girl. I, I think, 
most people lied to their parents about where they where they were going and manipulated the rules about that to go do other shit. Sometimes it had to do with the mall. They talk about the mall in this briefly. I feel like we'll get to this later, but I kind of feel like they spent too much time at the mall in the movie. Well, it was the 80s. <laughs> um, it was the 80s. Um, and, you know, I think, well, I think that's why this story is very much the 60s. Because one thing that this story does well is it illustrates the youth culture that had just started, like teenage culture that really just started booming. Cars and drive-ins. Like in the 50s. Like it started in the late 40s, kind of, but really the 50s. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the post-war boom. Exactly. It was the post-war boom where actually fashion in and of itself teenagers had their own different kind of dress they didn't dress like little adults anymore they dressed they didn't dress like little kids either they dressed you know they whatever they had their own culture and the the availability of cars too that allowed you know more people of this age to go out and have whatever freedom to go to whatever juke joint or, <laughs> you know, burger joint or, you know, the diner. Yeah, the it's... diner where the guy from uh, Fright Night is in the movie. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's, so. So this is a young girl. She, I, I did they say she's in high school? But I don't know if they say how old she is, but she's. Well, they say she's too young to drive but it makes it sound like she's kind of almost like so I'm, she I'm could thinking be 14, like 14 14 15. or 15 14 yeah. or 15 do you know what I mean she could be 14 or 15 I I don't think they say but it kind of seems closer to 15 to me yeah I'll go but with they that. do say she's too young to drive too young to drive and her older sister, June, who's the obedient, perfect one, who's very conservative and prim and proper, they go to the same high school together. And so I think the older sister, she's what, would you imagine, a couple years older than her? I would imagine she's probably getting ready to graduate. Right, that's what I was thinking. Um, her sister June. Oh no, no, no! In the story, her sister June was twenty-four and still lived at okay. home. I couldn't remember. I've got the um the thing the the story pulled up on my on my tablet. Okay, sorry, I forgot. I was thinking. I was just thinking they were much co- closer in age. Well. I mean, 10 years is still pretty close when you're that young. No, it because they weren't, she wasn't in high school. She had graduated and even was older than, I mean, she, she possibly graduated college too, but she still lived at home and she was unmarried. She was considered almost like a mother. Oh, and she was a secretary in the high school Connie attended. Right. 
And if right? that wasn't exactly. bad enough. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's I, I just happened to have it. It's been a long week. Right there. <laughs> it's, <only Monday>. <laughs> it's 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 early. <laughs> this was a very long read, like we said. It's nine pages long. This was in the second paragraph. So it's almost nine pages of reading has happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just longer ago that I read this than had seen the movie. And so, yes, I was thinking more the movie then. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway. So... She kind of her her parents are, you know, as a lot of I forget. You have old you you don't have siblings, correct? Me? Yes. No. Okay. Most people with an older sibling knows that the cliche is real and you're sort of getting measured up against what they have done, which is either beneficial if they're a big fuck up or it's a Sisyphusian task if they were sort of like Connie's sister was who had a job and all that other stuff you know well uh, and and technically I mean I do have step siblings but we didn't grow up like raised together a couple two of them were older like college age or whatever but the the one who was like a year younger than me I never associate. I mean, I never interacted with him or whatever, but his, you know, he got measured up to me. Ah, uh, it was, it... and I never got any of that or whatever, but I <laughs> did also, I got the, re- I got the reverse though. Yeah. That I had to be perfect. Oh, cause all <laughs> we put all our money on you. Mm hmm. Uh, Ours there was, was that. A... I forget. There was that for a little while, but it wasn't that lasted all of six months. And... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really count that. I, mean, I forget. <laughs> my sisters and I had a nice de-evolution going on. Uh-huh. Like my my we're all about four years apart. So we didn't spend much or any time in the same school. Uh, my older sister never got in trouble. She pretty much yeah. got straight A's. She got nervous about tests. And yeah, she was the, you know, straight to college. She's a teacher now. She teaches like third grade. Um, and then I got pretty good grades, but I partied a bit, quite a lot. Or, you know, uh, and then for my little sister, she could just do whatever the fuck she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just the kid that made myself crazy with um trying to be perfect. Uh. I was my own worst enemy though. That was the problem. I wasn't being necessarily measured up against anyone. I was just me- trying to be better than myself. Uh, and it was pressure cannot coming win. and it was pressure coming more from myself than anyone else so eh, anyway we're not here to talk about my psychiatric issues <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about connie 
and Arnold and her, Friend. Her psychiatric issues. And her psychiatric issues. No, I truthfully, I think, I mean, it does capture the just partly kind of bratty teenager. I mean, just in the sense of just being rebellious and whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't, I'm not necessary and kind of being in that stage, that in-between stage of I'm not a kid, but I'm not quite an adult. Like, yeah trying to navigate that line yeah it's, it's that weird what was it like called like a liminal uh, liminal stage or something like that where it's yeah sort of straddling that line um Okay, sure. I'll pretend I know what you're talking about. Uh, liminal. Sorry. <laughs> Just to make I sure I that I wasn't making shit up. Okay, liminal is an adjective relating to a transitional or initial stage of a process. Okay. okay. I wasn't sure what you were trying to say because of the way you started pronouncing it. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> sorry. Go no. ahead. <laughs> so she's not, she's not quite a kid. She's not quite an adult. Right. She's Connie. She's fighting with her parents. As you do. As you do. Being an angsty teenager. She's trying to avoid the stupid family barbecues. So they leave her at home. And after a while, she heard a car coming up the drive. She sat up at once, startled. Because it couldn't be her father so soon. The gravel kept crunching all the way in from the road in the driveway and along, and Connie ran to the window. It was a car she didn't know. It was an open jalopy painted in bright gold that you would have seen mentioned about three pages ago. That caught the sunlight opaquely. Her heart began to pound and her fingers snatched at her hair, checking it, and she whispered, Christ, Christ. And what? And yeah, <laughs> I ain't late, am I? Our old friend says. And this is when it gets really, really fucking creepy. Yeah. Well, and so the lead up to this is that. She's whatever been sneaking out with one of her friends and then seeing boys. And this guy has seen her along the way. Yeah, at the at the hamburger place. Right. And he's seen her flirting with the boys and sneaking off with them. Yeah. Yeah. And she... She's enjoying the attention at first. And... what? What's the fucking guy? Ellie. Eli? Ellie. Ellie. So, Arnold Friend's creepy friend in the car... 
who right. is like I don't I don't even know if if he's supposed to be his more ruthless thoughts, you know, where it keeps interjecting. Should I tear out the phone line now? And it's like shut up. I don't know if it's a golem, Smeagol sort of thing, or what. Well, I mean, it could be his partner in crime. Yeah. You know, could be like a regular, I mean, is it supposed to be a duo like a Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool? Mm. You know, who would prowl together? Yeah, when you were know, they? They were later, but I, um, they were 70s to 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this was, I mean, I, I don't think it, the, I don't think the story necessarily overtly is like, oh yes, this guy's a killer, like a serial killer, <laughs> but I think it, it, you know, definitely reads as, as if this is a predator at least a sexual predator. Yeah. Yeah. With a... Who is there to go after, you know, who is there to, if you don't go willingly, he's going to force himself upon you. Cause he's, yeah. you know, he's already got you in his sights. And in the, yeah, in the story and in the movie, he says some stuff about, what like this is gonna happen or when he like, like when he's talking about the screen door it's like the screen door right. is kind of just a formality right if i want to get you i'll get you but i'm gonna make you come to me yeah uh, creepy creepy fucking dude yes so On this note, I want to pause right here. Is there anything else you want to say about the story before we take a break and then come back and talk about the movie? Nope. Because I, I kind of feel that, that this is a point, a perfect point to fill out and expand upon this and, uh, Pull in different aspects of the movie. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. So. So. Okay. Yeah, we will be right back. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions. Or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, 
Guys. Oh, oh hey, producer, producer Michael. Producer Michael, hi. Oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Okay, we are back, and before we go any further, uh, our good friend Joey Colombo from the Horror Mafia podcast, and I I want to say Beneath the Zenith, but I don't think they put out an episode in a while, but he, uh, he teaches in, uh, he teaches uh, college classes. And he had a comment when I posted in our Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast, that I was watching the movie, but I think I we, we had mentioned before that what the team up was going to be. But anyway, right. our, our dear friend Joey Colombo says, <clears throat> Smooth Talk works in correlation with Joyce Carol Oates' work, uh, short story, so well. Furthering the complexity of being a teenager in the midst of figuring out certain aspects of life, specifically family dynamics, friendships, sexual feelings and relationships, art in the shape of music, and existentialism. At one point or another, we've all been there in some form or shape, thus allowing this to be a timeless tale in which any human being can connect with the varying levels, whether you're rooting for Connie to triumph or see her come to her demise at the hands of Arnold friend, AKA treat Williams. I'll add that in parentheses who can be looked at as her reaper or savior. And that's the beauty of these two symbiotic pieces of art. I fell asleep last night, but I whipped this up online for coffee. End scene. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) For some reason, I thought you were going to start talking after that. No, I was waiting for you. Ah. I thought you were going to say something. Well, we, uh, as we have, we have talked mostly about the short story. We snuck in a couple lines about the movie, but we thought that this would be the good transition point. And right. We'll, you will, we'll sort of go on from here. So where we left off pretty much in the story was Connie likes to have fun. But she doesn't know all of the ramifications of that fun or something. Uh, It depends on who you're talking to. And uh, she's alone at home and Arnold and Ellie show up in his jalopy, which I don't know the last time I heard that word. And uh, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So. About smooth talk. 
Because I, I, like I said, I think this is a good point to start talking about the movie and because we're inevitably going to start comparing the two and I'm surprised we, we were, we were so trying, good about it before. <laughs> I know. I know. I was trying not to. Anyway. Okay. Um, Smooth Talk from 1985 directed by Joyce Chopra and starring Laura Dern and a young, young Laura Dern and uh, as Connie and Treat Williams, Mary Kay Place as Catherine, her mother, and what? Those are really the main ones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those yeah. are the, I mean, those are these people. That, those are the faces that you know. And yeah, the guy from know. the guy from Fright Night and Herman's Head is one of the guys that Connie fucks earlier. Was he in Fright Night? He was the main character in Fright Night. That's Chris Sarandon. No, no, no. Chris Sarandon is a vampire. This is the guy that played the neighbor. Is it? Yes. I don't remember. It, it's the guy that uh, was in a relationship with the lesbian from uh, Married with Children. Charlie. He played Charlie. Amanda, Amanda Beers. Yes. He played the guy that kept getting distracted and not going oh. after. Yeah. Okay. Brewster God. or whatever, you know, that uh, evil laughs about. It was that guy that's like, oh, don't worry about it. She's pretty. She'll get picked up soon. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's go do it in my car. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. And Mary Kay plays. I always think of her from um, Pecker. <laughs> that John Waters movie. <laughs> right. Which today, the day we're recording, is John Waters' birthday. So, <laughs> yeah. I always have to bring that up. But <laughs> yeah. Um. So you liked the story, but you are lost for words about the Lifetime movie movie. You said it, not me. Okay, how would you say it? Oh, oh no, I totally was going to say that. It felt very much like a Lifetime movie. It did. But more than that, I have to say, Darren. Yeah? You must hate me to make me watch a movie with this much James Taylor music in it. <laughs> 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 You have no idea. I didn't know you hated James Taylor. Was it the fire or the rain? <laughs> or the sunny me, days that let, you thought would never end? Let me let me put it this way. The way I feel about James Taylor is the way the dude feels about the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just fate, hate the fucking Eagles, man. I fucking hate <laughs> I just James fucking Taylor. Hate James and... Taylor, man. There's oh. a beverage here. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I but he does I have to tell people. <laughs> he does 
not just are they in not just are they inserting his songs here and here in the background <laughs> he did the entire score i thought that was him i saw his name and i was like and that, it, that can't really be james taylor i was like well and, but and what's worse it's 80s james taylor oh it's early Ooh. sobriety james taylor and I love oh my all my sober friends, but right after sobriety is when they're the most annoying. Um. Anyway, that really kept taking me out of so many scenes. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I could not get past that in a lot of places. And it made the movie so dated and in like in a bad way <laughs> and i feel and then like the way that they were spending so much time at like you were talking about spending so much time at the mall so much time at the fucking mall everything about the was, goddamn paint roller and that was such an 80s thing like Let fast times at bridgemont high However many other movies had the fucking mall in it, you know, and yeah. it was the thing to do because it was the place to be chopping mall. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> 80s slap I mean, bracelets, rubber wristbands and, and where I will say shopping mall was awesome with its bad dialogue this movie had bad dialogue <laughs> at points that i just was like why <laughs> i didn't understand why it was written like that that's why i did not suggest we do uh what do we call it vd clinic theater what do we call it quarantine theater quarantine theater Oh my goodness, the dialogue, the scene between Mary Kay Place and Laura Dern, where they're supposed to be having the big mother-daughter heart-to-heart, where they're trying to be like, you know, why won't you just let me in, Connie, and all of that. Yeah. It is a poignant idea, which if you read the story, you get, and, you know, you get the relationship that these characters have those moments amidst them fighting and all this other shit. But to see it in the movie, oh my goodness. It's, it, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and it's not good. And the movie definitely does get better. Once but. It comes down to the final bit between where Arnold friend shows up at her house. Yeah. But even that, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I was just like, Oh, come on. I don't know. It, it, it was disappointing. Yeah. Um, which ending do you like better? They they leave it a lot more open. 
Although, like, uh, in in the short story, it was left a lot more open, but I just assumed that she was murdered. It feels, exactly, it feels so much more ominous in the short story. And even if she was just raped and not murdered. Only raped. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's, that's That's horrible in and of itself, but rather than raped and murdered, um, it's, it it just has a much more ominous tone in the story. And I think you had capable actors in the film. And I don't know if it was because this was a point where Laura Dern was still green. I mean, this is what one of her first roles, like starring roles, yeah, it was really early. I mean, Treat Williams, I know he was doing like Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway at this time. I've seen him do other things. Where, I mean, and it's not that he was bad either. I mean, neither one of them was bad, but it was just I, the dialogue just didn't flow. And I don't know if it was the direction or what. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I've really ever seen anything <clears throat> directed by the the director. Well, I looked at her IMDb, and most of what she has is TV movies or TV episodes. So it makes sense that this feels like a TV movie. Yeah, although, but I oh don't my think it was, God. This wasn't made, as a t- made for TV. That's the problem. This was made the same year that she did Mask and the year before she did Blue Velvet. Yeah. See, I mean, that's just it. Laura Dern can act. (laughs) And I'm not saying she couldn't hear, but it just... I think maybe the material that was there was just didn't allow them to do... Or that was the director, you know, both. I don't necessarily think the story. I think it. I think it was the script. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Made sixteen thousand and change at the box office. It won a couple of no, awards. That's sixteen, that's 16 million. Was that sixteen million? 16 point almost 16.8 million okay yeah (laughs) so i i don't know (laughs) maybe maybe it's maybe it's just maybe it's just the fact that it's dated maybe maybe Maybe. that's what it is you know in in the 80s maybe it's not just mary Kay places you know haircut that's so (laughs) so dated about this film which yeah that is a kind of terrifying haircut but i can overlook that the james taylor though i'm sorry it, it 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 hurt things a lot i didn't know you disliked james taylor so much i have no horse in that race so I don't really know how the hell it would show up again, but I will be mindful of 
the James Taylor ratio. <laughs> well, if it's just, you know, throw in a James Taylor song or a little bit of one here or there, one in a movie, sure, fine. I can handle that. But when it's, what was this movie? An hour and 34 minutes? Yeah. It was the longest hour and 34 minutes, especially, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. Oh my goodness. This, this is, um, this is one thing that kind of drove me bananas too. And I know her character is supposed to be kind of into music, but these moments where it's like, Oh, let me go downstairs and play this record and start singing out loud in one room. And then you have another character in another room standing there singing it too, <laughs> and, you know, whatever. And they're kind of dance, you know, kind of moving and dancing. It's just, Oh, lifetime movie. Yeah. It, it, it felt very lifetime. You know, it, it's just not my vibe that I, I can't, I'm just not into it. It didn't like, it didn't blow my mind in college, but it definitely was one of those earlier moments where I was thinking, Oh shit. Like I haven't really, you know, I was a lot younger then. I, I hadn't, thought as much about how dangerous just life is for women. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, like I think I said earlier, I couldn't find it, but I know I wrote a paper in college about how this was a twist on the Little Red, Little Red Riding Hood, Big Bad Wolf sort of story. Oh, no, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. But it's definitely, well, I, I think I said definitely five times in the last three minutes. So hopefully that is the end of it. As what Stephen King said, the road to hell is paved with adverbs. But, uh, <laughs> but it's what I, I do think that it does have. I mean, it still does have a certain amount of showing that, okay, let me try to, you know, kind of, sorry, Zora had to situate. Anyway, so I had actually a good point to make about the movie <laughs> because there is a good point of the movie that like something it does really well that the story does, I mean, that the story does too. Yeah. Of this capturing an essence of that, you know, teenage kind of in between time, uh, like, you know, like we were saying in between being a child and in between being an adult. Although the word of the show. Right. But Laura Dern, is a little older than uh, than the, I would say the character in the story is. She feels 
she still says she can't drive, but she's still, but she looks to me like, okay, you're 16. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, Laura not, maybe Dern. Maybe not 17, but okay, you're 16. I don't, like, I'm not necessarily buying younger, but maybe. Yeah, the story says she was 15, and it was in 1985. Laura Dern was born in 1967. Yeah, so she was what, seventeen, eighteen when she made this. Yeah, she was she was older than fifteen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She was seventeen, eighteen when she made this. So, and and that, I buy that. But I mean, like I could see her, like she feels though, but she still though, if you see certain scenes in this, the way she moves her body is just like a gangly awkward teenager. Yeah. It doesn't feel like someone who's 17 or 18. It feels still like someone who is younger and it feels like okay maybe she had a growth spurt so she's taller. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. she's still like okay, I'm kind of like awkward and growing into my body. But, you know, you see her kind of like this, the way she walks down the hall, you know, and she's kind of like shuffling her feet and like kicking around, you know, and just the way she moves her shoulders, you know, it feels, you know, you buy it a lot more than uh, (laughs) it to some extent, like she carries it. You know, it, it that um, and it carries over where just even her facial expressions when she's trying on whatever clothes that she's going to wear to. I'm just calling it for just I'm calling it a juke joint just because yeah. uh, I love the word juke joint um, <laughs> when those great back in the day terms. So um <laughs> It just feels right. <laughs> Not burger joint, a juke joint. Anyway, so yeah, you. I mean, she's trying on whatever clothes, and she's. But even you see her. So she's still with her clothing. Of course, she's playing around and trying to look older. She's trying to look more sexual. And you start seeing, like, she's playing around with her body language and trying to flirt in the mirror. Um, I never did that, <laughs> but okay, <laughs> sure, maybe. I could maybe see if Seth's something you were into and after when you were a teenager. So, and she even you start seeing she has these subtle borderline sexual movements that she's not, it, it, it's like she see, it's like you see where she's been trying them out that she's starting to, she has them subconsciously already where even she's talking to her father on the back porch and she's even like the way she's starting to pull up her leg and everything. It's 
it's not that she's doing it consciously. She doesn't have that intention of and doesn't see her father in a sexual way, but it's just the fact of this trying to get subconscious in her. It, she sees that what you as a woman are supposed to do is to use your sexuality to gain a certain power over men. I don't know. I just, it see, I, it read a little like that, but yeah. not to an extreme extent. And maybe that's partly the strength of Laura Dern as an actress, just some of her body language um, in this. But, and as far as like how to flesh out this character, but it was just the fucking dialogue, some of it, that <laughs> I think was what maybe was what held it back. Yeah, uh, uh, there, it, it was kind of back and forth cheesiness. Uh, the introduction of Arnold and mm-hmm. Connie with talking about the shit on his car and right this and that and the other thing and his super cheesy line about a screen door not not being nothing. But she does say that people don't talk like that. But. Right. You know, uh, we we said in the, the short story is a lot more ambiguous because it says something about her. You know, he's, he says he's not going to come inside as long, as long as she doesn't call for help. If she calls for help, that breaks some sort of promise and that makes him be able to break his promise. But otherwise. And see. Huh? And see, there's where I just feel that the short story feels so he he feels so much more menacing yeah. than the movie. It does. I mean, it really feels like oh, we can't be that menacing, <laughs> you know. Like I mean, again, it's lifetime. Like like okay, we can't. We can only show so much. We're gonna hold back. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's maybe how it, that's kind of how it read a yeah. little bit. Like they were just holding back and, and I'm not saying it needed to be extreme and spell all these things out, but I just felt that it needed to be the scene at the end. Again, we've, we're spoiling whatever. Um, it needs to escalate in a way which feels more threatening and it doesn't feel like it. It feels like suddenly like whoop, all of a sudden and it's like, no, 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 it needs to build more. You know, it doesn't need to just go from here to here. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it really, it needs yeah, to have it's, a smoother, it's got a ratchet. It, right. It needs to have a smoother, transition like a transition in the like how it escalates and and how the levels of like not just two levels of threat or three levels of threat no it needs to you know i there's that's and i feel that the short story has that sense and maybe part of it comes from its ambiguity with the ending you know, and that the fact of you're left to fill in the blank. 
like I said, is what is her fate? Is is she just going to be raped or which is awful enough, or is it going to be raped and murdered? Because I mean, rape is most certainly what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That, there's no denying that that happens because of this. It is a sexual morality tale. I'm your lover. I'm, I'm, I'm nice. I'm nicer than everybody else. That's why everybody likes me first. A bunch of creepy fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the movie gives us a bit of a happier, I guess, ending. And Connie gets dropped off and she says, you know, don't ever fucking come back. Yeah. Again. You know, but yeah, in the in the short story, I just assume that she is dead. Right, right. And, uh... But even, but again, even if in the short story she is just raped, she's not politely dropped back home. Yeah. You know it doesn't end that well and that <laughs> neatly and with her family coming up and all hugs and shit Here we go. It, we does, missed you. it does not end that well oh i missed you too that's all i'm saying yeah it does not end like that it was a bit more brutal and it took a lot longer than i remembered it to get there um it took a, it took too long to get get there which is maybe the problem if it was rushed you know maybe that's why it didn't escalate properly in the level of you know the the threat that was raised but okay so i don't know <laughs> would you recommend the short story um sure <laughs> You've got a resounding sure for Vanessa. Um, <laughs> would you recommend it, the movie? I mean, the thing is, is that, again, it's not like I was enthusiastic about it. Um, yeah. If you but, think Joyce Carol Oates is an asshole and you've never read anything by her. No, <laughs> no, I'm saying I think maybe... I would like to read another Joyce Carol story before I totally write her off. But okay. I could, I, there are certain people, I don't know, who might enjoy her. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's cool. Wasn't she in a band with Stephen King? Um, or is I that don't somebody know. else? I don't know. <laughs> Stephen King had a band made out of people that were authors first. Really? Yeah. Uh, he talks about it briefly at the beginning of his writing book. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think it might have been Joyce Carol Oates. Um, but I really couldn't tell you the names of all the all the people in there. I'll, I'm sure I'll find it later. 
the rock bottom remainders. Okay. Um, it was <laughs> a, a rock charity super group. And it was Dave Barry, Stephen King, Amy Tan, Cynthia, Cynthia Heimel, Sam Barry, Ridley Pearson, Scott Tarot, Joel Selvin, James McBride, Mitch Alba, a lot of guys. Surprise. Barbara King's lover. Uh, there is no Joyce Carol Oates. Maybe I was thinking of Amy Tan. Um, okay. I would not confuse the two. I wouldn't confuse the two, but they're just two famous women writers that I know of that I studied in college. <laughs> um. Oh my God. Oh, we're all the same. That's okay. Well, no, it's there, the there's same. a hierarchy of female <laughs> writers that I know of. Like there's Mary Shelley and there's um, Shirley Jackson and there's Joyce Carol Oates and there's, um, you know, fuck. Uh, there, there's a level of, of ones that I know that I've studied in college versus ones that I've just read offhand yeah um but yeah like i i think i said that was the only thing i ever read by joyce carol oates i you know i like margaret atwood's politics a little bit more nothing against jco but i don't know vanessa yeah yeah yeah, I mean, that's, I, again, I, I just, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just, um, I, I'm not enthusiastic about it. Okay. Yeah. Or do about you... the story. <laughs> but, it, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Do you recommend the short story more than the movie? Oh, hell yes. Okay. Because let me just say about, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think you officially get a, your first demerit on the show for for the movie i just because of the james taylor factor alone i'm sorry <laughs> and maybe that's not fair to the movie but i can't I, and it's you, just too lifetime movie and i i can't you never know i didn't so deduct I any points for all the sh the shrimp fix fixation in uh vanilla sky or or uh sky <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but no, deduct my points. I'm a former Catholic schoolboy. I'm used to it. It's okay. It's still not as big of a demerit. Well, actually, David got many demerits for uh, that Five Nights at Freddy's book. <laughs> so, I'm never we're gonna still on our quest. Yeah. I'm never gonna let him live that down. <laughs> <laughs> We will one day find rock bottom, but at this moment, it is Five Nights at Freddy's. No, I mean, um, it's it, it, it really, it's just the fact of, I, you know, and I don't expect us to love everything. And I don't know, did we say this earlier on Mike or, or, you know, before he started recording? I don't know, but I, you know, 
when we choose stuff, it's not necessarily something. I don't choose things that are always going to be like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I'll defend you know, it to the death. Because there, I mean, yes, there are certain things. And, you know, there are certain things I will put on here that I'm I've like, oh, I just want to share this. But there are certainly other things that I put have have suggested and that we have covered that I wanted to, you know, cover just because I thought it would spark an interesting conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't remember if we talked about that on mic or not. Yeah. So it, it, it's not, again, that this was horrible and I hated it, but I just... <sighs> uh, yeah. Borrow it from a friend. That's... <laughs> I have a copy if anybody wants it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> mail you mine and you can have... Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to lump it together, but I've been thinking about just taking my copy of Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys and leaving it on the bus. Yeah. But I don't want that to be some child's entry <laughs> into the movie series. Oh. <laughs> we just don't introduce any child to that series. Yeah. Just no. <laughs> well, you don't know if you just take it on the on the metro and you leave it for the next person to find. Right. So that is the end of our Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? Smooth Talk episode, I think. Uh, we both yeah. liked the short story more than the movie. And <laughs> yeah. And we found out that, by, that Vanessa has a violent reaction to James Taylor music. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm not sure what movies he's in, but think about that. <laughs> what about James Taylor songs done by other bands? I don't know. Is it his Maybe. voice? Is, is it his, you know? It's partly his voice, okay. but it's just partly the music, too. Yesterday morning, I didn't know that you were gone. <laughs> Okay. I've seen VD Clinics. I've seen Rain. <laughs> wow. I think you need to get that checked out. Yep. I've and seen Lifetime that... type movies that I thought would never end. <laughs> oh my God. There was one moment in the movie. Okay. There was more than one moment in the movie where, and granted, I was a little, okay, maybe a lot high, but I was like, this movie is it still going? When's it gonna end? <laughs> <laughs> because the buildup to get to the whole, you know, Arnold friend type thing, it, which is like the last so fifteen or twenty minutes of the yeah, movie, it should have taken longer. I'm sorry. I think that was maybe my biggest, maybe that was my biggest beef with the movie. I mean, well. James Taylor is still the biggest beef, but that's a close second. James Taylor's big beefs, 99 cents. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, I need sleep. So, you do. So, wrap it up, woman. So, on that note, um, so next month, guess what is next month? Drum roll, please, Mr. Drummer. 
it is our two-year anniversary. Thank you. It is our two-year anniversary, and we we will have a referral slip, uh, as usual, but we will be doing for our big two-year episode, we are going to be doing a commentary of... As I believe we mentioned before, Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. We are picking on Stephen King again. Yes. <laughs> so we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that commentary. And again, uh, yes, Spawn of Canadian Satan, aka David, will be joining us. Um, the silent so, D. This yes, exactly. <laughs> and and so, in we will also in we in the in the we would like people to send us their message anniversary messages that would be awesome and wonderful you can darren tell them how they can send them to us well uh if you follow us and we follow you on twitter we are at vd clinic pod uh same on instagram but if you email us it doesn't matter if we follow you or not we will get your email. <laughs> yes. At gmail.com. VD, VD. Uh, VDClinicPod <laughs> at gmail.com. Yes. Or our Facebook group. We've got oh, uh, over 60 people in there. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's, no, that's a actually, lot for oh, all the great. weird shit we talk about. That is actually a lot. And considering I've been, I've been very bad about uh promoting us lately thanks to my job um i need to get better about that i'm sorry but thank you everybody who listens and uh, i we are appreciative uh, we joke that we uh we know we're a small but mighty bunch <laughs> <laughs> we're growers not showers sure it's what that's you a penis joke it. you wouldn't yes. know that because i've heard you're not immature I've heard. Ah, okay. Yes. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, is there anything else you'd like to say before we close out the episode? No. Uh, just a thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you for checking us out. Make sure that you check out the other... I mean, there are many wonderful podcasts, but most of them are the on the Legion Podcast Network. Yes, of which we are a proud member. Yes. Yes. And yeah, we will do some Unchained Melody, or is that what the song is that they keep playing in Sleepwalkers? With We've got a hero cat. Oh, God, that's right. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I haven't seen that in so long. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. I've and seen this one, too, but... Yeah, David's David, never seen David it. David hasn't, yeah. And I don't know if I, well... I own it. Uh, I haven't seen it sober in at least 20 years. <laughs> I, if my memory serves, you can't see it sober. You I, should see I it don't sober. You should. Count, no. count the cameos and yes, we will that is see actually... you next month. Yes. And uh, again, yeah, send us uh, some uh, anniversary uh, messages. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. And uh, in the meantime... Um, say goodbye, Darren. It's all over, baby blue. Okay. Bye.
Okay. Okay. Do you know? We talked almost an hour and 50 minutes. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VD Clinic Pod or reach us via email at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more.
Clothes that you once wore. 